Welcome to the Matt Hummer podcast, episode 73. It's just the boys here today, Jonathan. Yeah, it's just you and me. How's it going? Very good indeed. <laughs> I'm Mo and we're here with Mr. Jonathan Seltzer. We're going to be going through all the biggest shit that's been going down in the world of metal. And the this, darkest shit. And the darkest shit. Uh, you should go to your doctor. <laughs> it's, it's been going down this week. Um, before all that though, there is a new issue of Metal Hammer that is just about to hit the shelves or has hit the shelves already. It's out on Thursday this week, depending on when you're listening to this here podcast. Um God, that was a hell of a thing to put together. Why do we do this to ourselves, Jonathan? Because we like pain and sometimes just the end of it, it's almost <laughs> worth it. We like pain and more importantly than that, we like metal and we fucking love Slipknot, which is why this month we are bringing you one of the biggest uh, magazine events we've probably done in years, I think. We've got nine covers on this month's edition of Metal Hammer. How about that, mate? It's almost madness, but it's actually genius <laughs> something like that yeah uh, so there are nine collectible covers in this month's edition of metal hammer it is a slipknot spectacular we have an exclusive interview with the band we talk to clown sid mick and jim in uh, uh stephen hill's first ever cover uh, feature for metal hammer which is pretty cool well you'd have thought he'd have done more by I this know. point took his time took his time yeah. um, it's a dark horse that man he is a dark horse but yeah uh, Steve's been part of the Metal Hammer family for a good few years now so that's really cool that he's done his first cover feature for us and it is an absolute whopper um, it's a bit of an icy interview as well at points maybe icy's not quite the word mm. um, kind of combustible uh, slightly turbulent interview at times which you would expect from Slipknot I guess yeah and I, th- I think just they've been through a lot you know they're at, we spoke to them at um, Download Festival so they're, they're kind of pretty pressured but um, yeah but sometimes that kind of itchiness and you know makes for good music and for good performance as it did at download it do, it did yeah we t- um i wasn't actually here and uh, we did the downloads um review a few weeks back i was off that week but i thought slipknot were uh, no wait i was here wasn't i no i wasn't here oh god i can't even remember that's weird <laughs> god, these guys are catching up with me i was away for one thing i was here for ramstein but away for oh god i can't remember anyway um yeah that's slipknot uh, that Slipknot set was so good, so exciting. Um, so it felt like a real celebration of the band. But there has been a lot of turbulence around the band recently. There's been a lot of drama around the band recently. And uh, you could definitely feel some of that kind of static electricity um, kind of leaking into Steve's interview with the band. It's a really fascinating read, and I really implore people go and pick that up. Um, but not just because the feature is great, which it is, but also because, as I mentioned, we've got nine exclusive covers, one dedicated to each member of the band. Even Tortilla Man is getting his own uh, <laughs> getting his own cover, as I gather the internet have officially labelled him at this point in time. Um, so yeah, all nine members getting their own cover. They all look absolutely gorgeous. Shot by the brilliant Steve Brown, who's one of our very finest photographers. Um, shots, uh, as, jo- as Jonathan mentioned, we did a lot of this kind of around download. And uh, let's just say we got a hell of a shoot out of a very high pressure situation, <laughs> which once again, only seems to happen with Slipknot. So there you go. Um, but that is out right now. <coughs> well, it's out Thursday this week. Um, we're really proud of this issue. We hope you guys go pick it up, as well as that awesome cover feature and nine different covers that you can collect. They're all spread across shops across the land. So if you see one you particularly want, get out there and search for them because you will find it eventually, I promise you. Think of it like Pokemon, but metal. Exactly. It's like Pokemon trading cards. Go find the ones you want the most. If you want more than one, go for it, mate. They look wicked. 
Um, but as on top of that, as if that wasn't enough Slipknot to cram into one issue, we've also got an exclusive free, absolutely banging looking art print by the awesome Luke Priest. Um, you may have seen Luke's designs adorning Metallica t-shirts at their, uh, uh, their ongoing um, world tour that's uh, on the road at the moment. He's also done stuff for the likes of Ghost. Uh, he did a really brilliant Ozzy Osbourne print for us this year as well. Um, so he's done an awesome Slipknot print that you can get in this issue. And on top of that, we've done a Slipknot tribute album that you can get in free physical format. Remember that? An actual CD with this copy of Metal Hammer. Uh, that has world-exclusive Slipknot covers by the likes of Employed to Serve, Conjurer, uh, Blood Youth, Hacktivist, and many more. Some of the most exciting young bands in metal today um, have uh, covered some Slipknot classics for us. It's absolutely awesome. Um, and, I mean, when you listen to what Employed to Serve and Conjurer and others have done to some of these Slipknot tracks, it is absolutely biblically epic. Uh, so basically you can't afford to not put this issue up if you're a Slipknot fan and heaven knows what you're doing listening to this podcast if you don't have any time for Slipknot um, but that's not all that's in there if you're not into Slipknot we got more for you we count down the 50 greatest Judas Priest songs ever as picked by us as picked by you guys as also picked by members of Faith No More Lacuna Coil Arch Enemy Venom Prison Orange Goblin and many many more so some of the greatest and best bands in the game helping us count down the greatest Judas Priest songs of all time uh, which we've done because they've turned 50 this year, believe it or not. So fair fucks to Judas Priest. Um, we've got the history of Grindcore in there. Really cool feature done by Dave Everly that takes you through the um, eye-popping history of probably the most extreme genre of music there is. Um, we speak to some of the bands who escaped all the violence in Syria to be able to continue playing metal music. We give you a detailed history of Rock in Rio Festival. That's a fascinating story behind that festival going back three decades now. We've got brand new interviews with the likes of Zentrix, Parkway Drive, Kiss, Steel Panther, Saxon, The Who. That's The Who, the um, Mongolese metal bands. Not, not Pinball the, Wizard. Not the giant rock legends. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, we never put an issue of Metal Hammer out that we're not proud of. But I can tell you right now, this took a lot of work to put this one together. We're very, very proud of it indeed. Um, and there's tons of stuff in there. So go to metalhammer.com now to find out where you can pick up your copy from. Or if you're listening to this after Thursday this week, go up and pick it up in the shops like an old school bloody legend that you are. Hooray! Yeah, th yeah. this this issue's got a particular resonance for me because Zentrix, yes. the first metal band I ever interviewed. Yeah, you were just saying this before we started recording. That's yeah. amazing. This, this was probably in like 1989. 1989. kind of goes away how old I am. Wow. Ish. And who would have that been for? That was Melody Maker. Melody Maker. Yes, yeah, wow. so I was Vitally important magazine brands from back in the day for people that don't know. Yeah, it was yeah the big rival to Enemy, um, but better. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah so <laughs> fair enough, I guess. Uh, so yeah, Centrix, iconic um, uh, British uh, thrash metal band from back in the day. They were kind of called the uh, well, they're called Britain's answer to Metallica for a long yeah, time. Yeah, because they did sound a lot like Metallica, to be fair. For sure. Until they did the Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. So what's the story behind that? Because a lot of people probably won't know this. So kind of Zentrix came along. They got a lot of, you know, British thrash music had a bit of a funny time compared to a lot of the European scene and American scene. And then Zentrix turned up. Things were kicking off. And then they just covered the Ghostbusters theme. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was a bit of a perfect storm because the 90s, was not a good decade for thrash metal. 
So it was having, so, you know, it was kind of like running out of steam by that point anyway. Sure. But then, yeah, they just, they, you know, they were sort of like a serious, very serious thrash band. You know, because back then, thrash was, well, especially in the 80s, thrash was very much to do with, you know, this fear of nuclear war. And I kind of grew up with that, with that genuine fear. Yeah. And um, so I had a little, just as a little aside, I had a little epiphany about thrash a while back. So I remember like in the days of Threads and the day after, and I was paranoid in my teens that every little sound I heard was a siren. So you're constantly bracing, like, because uh, you're thinking, oh, sh oh shit, the nuclear war's going to, you know, the nuclear bomb's going to go off. Because it was genuine paranoia around that time. And that really fed into thrash. And so all those taut, choppy riffs, for me, are the sound of you constantly bracing because every, everything, time you hear a high-pitched sound, you think it's a nuclear siren going off. So, like, th for me, thrash and nuclear war were very, very... Um, uh, it's really interesting. Connected. Uh, but for me, nuclear war and Ghostbusters are less connected. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think for most Thrash fans. So yeah, they, they, they put it out as a 12-inch. I actually have the 12, or the single, I actually have the 12-inch of Ghostbusters. And yeah, people just kind of stopped taking them seriously off of that. It's just like, you know, if Slipknot covered... Um, I don't know, like the Banana Split, the, the Banana Splits theme song. <laughs> have you, you seen know? they're doing a Banana Splits horror movie? Yes, I have. What I, the fuck is I that know. about? And it's just like because it seems to be. I can only. It must be some kind of official licensed thing. Because it is. It is, it is genuinely a licensed thing. It is genuinely a horror movie because. But if you don't know what the Banana Splits are, by the way, this is a classic 70s kids TV show that's like, I, I don't know. You can tell it's, it's made in California. I was about to say the, the Teletubbies on acid, but it's more like the Teletubbies on some kind of no, no, cheap speed. No, no, no. <laughs> it was generally Teletubbies on acid because that's probably the drug of, of, of that era. Yeah, fair point. Um, yeah, they probably had better drugs for um, all, all We've gone off on drugs. a mad tangent. <laughs> yeah. We got to Banana Split. This is what happens when Ellen Alice on around. Yeah. We talk about Banana yeah. Splits you, in the first so 10 I, I grew up watching the Banana Splits too. And then um, you go back, go back and watch original TV suits, just lots of people in animal suits falling over. But um, yeah, but th this looks genuinely a bit disturbing. How bizarre. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that's that's the metal news this week. The bananas <laughs> is <laughs> uh, But yeah, so Zendrick did go and do that and then, um, yeah, their story took on a bit of a weird turn and now they are back. They have a new album out. Um, and we've gone, we've gone in. It's just one of the many good deep dives, as the kids say, that we've done in the new issue. So go pick up right now. Um, anyway, that's enough plugging up. Awesome stuff. Um, Jonathan went to the Faroe Islands. Yeah, I did. It's, Why? Because um, I got the opportunity. Made it but, sound like um, I don't like the Faroe Islands. Yeah, no, yeah. Really. No, no. so it's, it's the one place I've always really wanted to go after, you know, I've done, I've done sort of, you know, been to Norway, Iceland, like where's next for like just barren ends of the earth places. Yeah. <laughs> My tall barren ends of the earth. And so... I met one of the guys who looks after G-Fest on the Faroe Islands. Uh, that's an annual festival set on a beach, um, which, yeah, believe it or not, has a beach. And uh, like at the end of this massive fjord. So the scenery is amazing. But they have a, um, they have a metal showcase. Um, they've started doing a metal showcase. They've had metal bands playing before, like Arch Enemy have played there. Um, right. And uh, Meshuggah have played there. Meshuggah on a beach at the edge of the world is just... I, I can't imagine what that must have been like, but I imagine amazing. Uh, so they, yeah, so they had three bands playing at this um, at this uh, uh, showcase, which was a, a Ferries band whose name I can't remember. That's all right. Uh, but, but you can look this up. What's the name of the festival? Uh, G Festival. G Festival. Yeah, uh, Faroe Islands. I might have to come back and put this in. <laughs> it'll, it'll look bad. But yeah, anyway, so, uh, and so you know, very, um, you know, 
kind of quite sort of off timings and not like kind of Dillinger on really on downers in a way. Right. Um, okay. I, Dillinger on downers. Yeah. So just off timings, but really great vocals. And um, yeah, it was that vocalist actually last last performance. And why? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure why they didn't say. Just he's going off to do different stuff, and I'm sure they get get someone else who can um, do weird sort of vocals to off timed metal. Right. Uh, they had a uh, they had Jrein from the uh, uh, from Iceland. Okay. So it's a, a Nordic showcase. So like one of the best and most underrated black metal bands around. Uh, very atmospheric, but also play with a kind of electronic cello, and okay, uh, and and yeah, just really special performance from them, and Beast or Beist from Denmark. All right, and um, so kind of death, pretty much death metal, but um, love other kind of classic bits of metal um, thrown in. I have never seen a well, I have, but. Not for a long time. Seen a band so good at just like setting a um, a crowd off. Really, like just mosh pits, circle pits, walls of death, and it was like half metal fans, half non-metal fans. But you just play metal to people, good metal, and everyone gets it. Yeah, definitely. Well, we we talked about this on uh, about Glastonbury a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, people are more open to it than uh, you'd normally realise. I'm just I'm just hurriedly looking through the schedule here to see if we can find out what the name of that band was. What day did they play, Jonathan? Uh, on the this is live research, Metal Hammer style. It's all in Veronese. On, on a Thursday. Which one's that? Oh, let me find this. Jonathan's looking right now. Um, but yeah, we were talking about um, why uh, a lot of people kind of assume that if you put metal in an environment that's outside its comfort zone and you put it in front of people that aren't really acclimatized to it, that it won't go down so well that people don't really get it but that's not really the case you normally would get um quite a good response to something like that because people i think people recognize things that are real they recognize things that are emotive they recognize things that resonate in a slightly different way to what they're used to i think they just i think they just like the energy to be honest yeah exactly uh like i was talking to like a poet from denmark okay and she was saying it was just pure energy uh based so iron lungs Iron Lungs. Oh, the fairies know. band. And and, and, um, and what do you say they sound like? They sound like like uh, dangerous gate plan on downers. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so it was just um, it was, they were, it was kind of quite lurchy, like things fall in the wrong place, um, and but it kind of has its own internal logic, and and its own groove, and I think they're gonna we're gonna hear people are going to hear a bit more of them. I mean, there's not that many bands have broken out from the Faroe Islands. The obvious one's been Tour. Um, we can talk about them in a bit because they also play the festival and there's a lot of controversy surrounding them. And Hamfell, which is a, um, which is a uh, funeral doom band with a, with a singer who has one of the most remarkable voices you've ever heard. Just this kind of operatic voice. But it's not bombast, it's beautiful. Wow. And just, it's, you know, you, you just hear him singing just everything kind of the whole atmosphere in the in the room or the field changes yeah so uh so those are the two main bands that have kind of metal bands that have broken out the fair islands um but also playing there was a singer called ivor uh yes this is who you mentioned that was yeah. the first person you mentioned when he came yeah so i was so excited to see her in her in her hometown and she's like the Faroe islands national treasure she, she, again one of the most incredible voices she's um collaborated with with 
Einar Selvik and Eva, sure. Eva Bjornsson uh, from uh, Enslaved. Enslaved and Vardruna. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and just one of the most striking, beautiful voices you've ever heard. And the kind of a voice that only someone from a Scandic or Nordic country could ever could ever come up with. But the level of control and the evocative nature. There's this one song she does called Trollabondon. It's just her and like an old ancient drum. And amongst all the kind of people that like Vardruna and the whole pagan sound of like Heilung and people who go to Midgarge Blut Festival, it's become almost like a national anthem, that song. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's set in this amazing, also all set in this amazing mountainous scenery that um, just is consciousness altering just the scale of it. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, a slightly new, but not totally unfamiliar experience, I guess, when you think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, that that landscape will always be unfamiliar. Fair. You know, just like you, it's bigger than your brain can actually sort of entirely comprehend. So you find yourself just like spacing out to it. And there's, they, they have special kind of effects like there and in Iceland where the clouds are so low. So it looks like um, right. it looks like someone's taken an eraser tool and Photoshop just rubbed off the top of the mountains. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just really special atmosphere in that, in, in that country. Fair enough. Um, while you were doing that, I know that Alice was out in Norway getting up to other heavy metal shenanigans as well. So Alice will come and talk about that next week. We're all over the world. What can you say? Global metal brand, mate. That's what we do. Um, you specifically said as well before we started recording that you just wanted to talk about ministry, which is actually yeah. a couple of weeks ago, but uh, we didn't see that because we were all at Ramstein. Yeah, so I should probably go on record and just say, I mean, I, I think is I saw videos and it sounded like it was packed, which you're, I'm sure you'll explain in a second. But I mean, whoever thought the best day to put ministry with three teeth on being the same day as Ramstein? So, well, what that is wild. Well, what had happened? Like they they booked the dates for ministry and then they found out on that same day that Ramstein right. had the same date so they, they didn't think oh Ramstein are playing we should play at the same time yeah. but they might yeah well, they, I was thinking it might have been an oversight rather than a... no no that, that, yeah I, I, would... I have a clue about these such things by the way I don't fucking know God yeah me. but um, yeah no they, they must have gone fuck yeah. when um, they found out so but was, was it busy it was busy and what was what, where was it the garage no it was at the uh, it was at the um uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire, which is not oh, a wow. tiny venue. That's not a tiny venue no, at all. What's the capacity? Like two and a half, three thousand? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was still really busy. I mean, things like ministry fans, you know, you know, these are people who have you know, they have a mixture of new fans, but they also have fans who are like, you know, proper old school industrial heads from back in the day. Uh, you know, which is kind of precedes Ramstein, so you know, the mid eighties and mid mid late eighties. So it was pretty busy. But, you know, I always thought kind of ministry were a little bit of a spent force for a long time okay. and this was I know I've saw them back in you know ever since Psalm 69 which I thought was like a, a pig they were never going to get back again but I've seen them loads of times since then and it's been like yeah you know it's Al Jurgensen going on about Trump or whatever and it's all been a bit haphazard and ramshackle but my god this is not only was it the best show I've seen since the Psalm 69 days it's a uh, Probably the best show I've ever seen him do. Just wow. absolutely spot on. The sound was amazing. You know, he was totally in the zone. Just every song just sounded exactly how a ministry song should be and have the effect that ministry song should have. You know, it's just this constant sort of the way it kind of loops and it almost takes you into this kind of state of hyper delirium or something. And it was just, it was just amazing. I just, I, you know, especially, and they, they didn't even play all the big songs until right at the end. And I was already losing my shit um, during the main set, and then they played them all at the end, and it just, just 
went off like a wow. Yeah, fair fucks, Uncle Al. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, they were good, and three t- and had three teeth. I was going to say, how the, how were three teeth received? Oh, uh, they received really well. Like you can tell, this band are going to be big. Awesome. Um, I think it needs to be work a little bit on his in between banter. Like he's kind of very dry, but it's kind of falling flat on the audience. Right. Okay. Um, and the songs are good. Well, I mean, the music's good. It's just you know, it's very in- it's kind of industrial groove. I I don't know if they've got songs yet. I don't know if there's a, if there's a song that I would remember really well afterwards. Interesting. Um, yeah, because when I saw them, it was just kind of like I saw them at Electroworks, and it's like, wow, every goth in London is here. <laughs> yeah, know? well, I mean, so the, they're definitely like, yeah, I, I think the building singer, a crowd. Yeah, I think the singer looks amazing. I, I love that kind of weird sort of post-apocalypse Biggles moustache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> sort of Biggles meets Mad Max. Yeah, definitely. Like a circus strongman. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, apocalypse. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on Three Teeth, one of the uh, many young bands we're really excited about, which is cool. Um, let's talk about some of the other shit that's been going on in metal this week. I think we have to talk about Justin Bieber versus Tool. I think we do. The the, the feud we were all waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> of, of many. But. Are, you, are you aware how this all kicked off? So, so yeah. um, J- uh, Justin Bieber posted a snippet of a song on his Instagram. It was a Tool song. And he basically said... Who knows what this song is? I can't actually remember which Tool song it was now. I think it was a... Uh, uh, I don't know if it was a deeper cut or not. But anyway, lots of people quickly picked up that it was Tool. And um, uh, the internet just totally lost its shit about it. People genuinely angry, like actually angry about the idea that Justin Bieber listens well, to well, Tool. But also, um, didn't uh, James Maynard Keenan have a one hashtag Maynard response? Maynard James Keenan. Maynard James Keenan. Sorry, Maynard yeah, James yeah, Keenan yeah. have a one hashtag response, which is hashtag bummer. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, so he seemed unimpressed. And then now, apparently, I haven't actually read this yet because I saw it on my phone just as we were coming in, but apparently Justin Bieber's girlfriend has responded to James Keenan or something like that. Anyway, it's all kicking off between Tool and Bieber. Yeah, this, sometimes the internet's really great for just these things, just fights just going around and it's around and around. It's just so unexpected. But what, I mean, what do you, because we've actually got a question about this later, which we'll reference when it comes up, but what do you kind of think about this thing of, you know, how dare this super polished, uh, or like for a few years, he was almost a poster boy of everything that's perceived to be wrong about pop music. Um, and p- the people have this attitude of how dare he likes our music? How dare you step on our turf kind of thing? Well, something you have to understand is that, you know, I grew up in an era where pop and art weren't uh, on opposing sides. That the whole point for me about pop music and art and was that, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, it had a really strong connection to the art world. That's what made pop great. You know, like in, in the seventies, you had uh, all pop stars came from art from art schools, like um, yeah, like uh, Roxy Music. And then in the eighties, you had pops pops uh, pop stars who came from art schools, like maybe Susie and the Banshees. So I don't think pop and art, or or or, or underground, should be um, mutually Absolutely exclusive. Back it. You know, I I think that um, the fact that the, I mean, I've been the two Janelle sides of Mar- war is to the detriment of either I agree. Side. I mean, having seen Janelle Monáe at Glastonbury, yeah, yeah. I can tell you there are definitely still pop stars making art. Yeah, and I think Janelle Monáe is amazing. Uh, but I wish there's, you know, I wish there's, you know, I grew up in a world of, you should, you should Google, you should find this song on YouTube. It's called O Superman by Laurie Anderson. It's O with an O. You've talked about this before yeah, yeah. to me, and I think. Imagine growing up a world, listen to that song, all eight minutes and 21 seconds of it. And imagine growing up in a world where that was number two in the charts, because I did. <laughs> Look yeah. at that. But yeah, it's, there's this weird thing that 
Um, I mean, maybe it is because so much of the pop scene has become awash with also rands and kind of just this really dreary beigeness that maybe it's just pushed the idea out to, that well, have kind of really edgy, artistically driven pop stars. You know, people kind of forget that exists because when you look at what's in the charts, it all just tends to be kind of like one tone kind well, of I mean, safe, housey pop music. Yeah, yeah, or just this completely auto-tuned. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, the metal world, you know, so I went from Melody Maker to another, to a metal magazine. And so, you know, going into a world where authenticity is what you judge people on, and there wasn't necessarily in the sort of more left-field kind of pop world at all. It was, you know, playfulness and inauthenticity. And so, you know, so the, the, there are two opposing views. But I guess it's also like more of a... um a follow-on from the, the idea of like people wearing t-shirts of bands they clearly ne never listened to like you know people like sure. you know there was that thing of um you know like people wearing dark throwing t-shirts i know in brazil people have thrown off being thrown off trains for wearing ramones t-shirts and not been able to answer is that questions. true i've been told i've been told by people brazilian people that it's happened <laughs> so i'm just going to spread that rumor why not yeah wow uh, yeah so but you know but you know if you see someone who clearly Clearly, you know, doesn't under, isn't isn't invested in any of the values the metal is wearing a metal t-shirt, or like you know, when David Beckham was wearing Lexus t-shirts, mm. or um, even even Chris or, Brown had that Pats jacket once, didn't he? That yeah, or yeah, or you can buy these shops in um, you can buy you can buy these jackets in Topshop, and without kind of ever having paid your dues, I can understand, you know, the kind of ire that would create yeah definitely you know it's just it's it's something that's kind of simmering in our world yeah. but i think one more tool fan isn't necessarily a bad thing well no i mean if he, if he actually likes them i mean the thing is i think i saw one person make some really good uh points on twitter it's like with not to be funny but tool are one of the biggest metal bands of all time <laughs> mm. like they're in the top if they're not in the top 10 they're not far outside it as far as metal bands go or, or really genuinely heavy um, subversive rock bands you know this is it's really not that unlikely um, I mean I was just thinking actually they're not on Spotify so they are quite hard to just stumble upon compared to some bands but then you know it's not outside the realms of possibility that someone in his mid to late 20s who is North America I think he was Canadian um, and has you know had any exposure at all to rock music at any time might stumble upon upon tool at some point like yeah. they're not some underground secret you know no and also i mean he was, a, he was a little bit more proactive about it like you know he posted lyrics you know so you have to go and look at the you have to do something to yeah like there lyrics. will be there will definitely be justin bieber fans that will have just gone and discovered tool and i don't know how many of them will go this is brilliant but there's there'll be plenty of them that will be go i don't know what the hell i'm listening to which yeah could, that's great isn't it I'm, I'm not saying like justin bieber isn't is anything other than an odious human being but <laughs> but but the, but but the fact that um Here he says about you mate <laughs> but the fact that you know he he made people work for it a little bit yeah to go and seek it out i think that's what we, we kind of miss in the in sort of the internet everything on demand it's era you know it's like you know with with metal and tape trading you know, the amount of investment you put into it meant you got more out of it. So someone's done a little bit of research and found out tool, th you know, partly through their own means, it's going to have a bit more effect on you. And also, you know, for the most part, tool are pretty, my, you know, consciousness altering. Yeah. And um, you listen to you listen to them and you realise there are other ways of looking at the world 
or Absolutely. making it sound. Absolutely. Or when do when you get the collab? That's what we want to know. Yeah. Um, although that's a question for later. Uh, Betraying the Martyrs have, uh, this is some shitty news. Betraying the Martyrs have lost um, a ton of their instruments and gear in a van fire while they're out on tour. Um, so if you, uh, the band have set up a GoFundMe to raise some money because obviously, uh, you know, that they're, they're fairly well-known metal band but they are not making a lot of cash that's going to hit them in a big way so if you're interested in finding out more or you want to donate to them um, head to metalhammer.com where we've got the full story about all that um in better and potentially very exciting news big rumors that acdc might be about to announce a world tour yes back in on that yes absolutely it looks like brian might be back in the band people have seen him around the studio they normally record in and stuff again all rumors but i'm excited we like to speculate and um I mean, ACDC, I would absolutely love another world tour out of them. It's, it's, just, it's just, it's music that's made from your DNA. It is. It, it's, it is actually the first rock band I ever came across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had a, we had a, we didn't even have a Betamax. We had a Scotch tape video wow. machine. And for some reason, the only th two things we had in that was a TV, uh, a couple of episodes from the TV version of Hitch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> really? And ACDC Live, which I found out my brother had recorded. So I used to watch it over and over and over again, which is very... Was that a few one blood or was that just a random mix or something? No, it was a live show. No, that's what I mean. Is that I, the, the uh, live I album? I don't know. Uh, it was... It was very early on it's like early 80s okay. and um so i used to watch it over and over again and just get absolutely obsessed and um that was my first and you know especially with those kind of riffs it's a band that you want to listen to again and again and again almost like on, on complete repeat yeah they're just and, um, unbelievable and then and the last time i saw them with brian it was just such a great gig as well that's about four years ago now, yeah they're just they're just one of those bands that's like it's like maiden it's like what they do it's not necessarily rocket science but no one else can do it no. And anyone who tries to do it sounds kind of weirdly dated and um, and German. It's <laughs> <laughs> not very specific. Does, you know, Germany's like, you know, this kind of black hole of the 80s kind of escape. It's yeah, kind of yeah, why yeah, yeah. I kind of love Germany. But um, but just no one else, no, you know, there's so many bands who try to do it, but they just there's just something about it. And it just gets your adrenaline going straight away and i just love that band so much and so, it just i think after what happened with brian and the, you know the band got a lot of slack um what happened with malcolm as well and i don't know the band's taken a bit of a kick in and over the years for what they've done and i think if they could get brian back up on stage it would just feel like a really and you know fucking well-deserved victory that yeah as well yeah. um i've got nothing against atdc going back on tour no i mean either well. just i mean even if they had to i don't i don't know if brian's involved but that seems to be the rumor doing the rounds because i know he's done a couple of performances and stuff with other uh, things recently yeah those riffs just will just put the world back together again i'd love to think you know, that yeah it's just like it's, it's, it's a sound of tectonic plates being bolted onto each other <laughs> um whilst he sleeps have announced a big uh european tour coming up i think that's in january um doing two big uk dates one of which is brixton academy which is going to be mega um I don't think anyone would have backed Whilst He Sleeps to be getting to Brixton a few years back with all the shit they had. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes down. Uh, the round that show was just immense earlier in the year. So hopefully more of that in front of even more fans will be nice. Um, right, let's take some reader questions from www.facebook.com forward slash Metal Hammer Readers. Uh, Elliot Holt asks, um, it's quite a long one. <clears throat> he says, I saw Every Time I Die play Hot Damn in full at, at 2000 Trees this weekend. Heard great things about 2000 Trees Festival as well. So shout out everyone involved in that. Um, whilst not for me, oh, 
Oh yeah, well it's not for me one of the best Every Time I Die records. It sounded incredible live. What lesser known or less popular albums would you like to see played in their entirety? And then he's put in brackets, we all know Merlin will pick a maiden one. It's very assumptuous. Uh, uh, is there a lesser known Presumption. maiden album? Um, yeah, well I've got okay. some. You go first. <laughs> uh, trying to think now. Um, I think you should go first. All right, fine. Um, I did pick some Maiden ones. Um, uh, again, right. I've got Brave New World down here, which is not a less known Maiden album. If you're of a certain age, it means a lot to you as a Maiden fan, I think. Um, but there's still a good few tracks off there I've never heard them play live, so I was thinking of that. And as a kind of wild card, and I'm aware that there'd have to be a couple of not-so-great songs played live as well, um, I would. they would never do this, but I would love them to play Dance of Death in full because... I think it's the only way I'll ever get to hear them play Passion Dale again, which is one of the greatest main songs ever written, maybe the best. Um, and it means I might finally see them do Monster Girl live, which I've been waiting for 16 years now for them to bust that out. So I have to admit, Dance of Death is not one of my favourite Maiden records. You, it it gets a, it get it seems to get the the least amount of frothing from Maiden yeah. fans from all their modern it, it's stuff. It's just it's just one of those ones that for me sounds a bit too much like a musical. Uh, they, have, they, have a few, they have a few albums dotted throughout their career that sounded a bit like a musical, and especially after, coming after Brave New World. It just, um, I don't know, it, it lacked something that Brave New World had, and it just... Um, yeah, I mean, Brave New World is a classic, but I kind of feel like... I mean, it got followed up with The Matter of Life of Death as well, which was very well received, and they played that I think that's before. a great record. Um, I, I do think that when people think of Dance of Death, they think of the artwork straight away as well, and I do think that genuinely <laughs> impacts people's thoughts on the record because it's just one of the first things people think of because it is <laughs> not great so bad which that, is annoying because it's one of the best eddies ever uh, yeah but Grim Reaper Eddie's so it's perfect got, it's got that very 70s brown yeah true <laughs> all over it I mean and the fact that it looks like it was done in MS Paint in about three minutes <laughs> but I don't I mean that's quite well documented all that stuff but again, um, there's some tracks on there I'd love to see play live with Maiden Me with, for me it's not I wouldn't really want to see um whole albums played there's just tracks off albums that i'd love to see live finally two of which were ticked off in fantastic style when they finally did um flight of icarus and clansman last year actually so that was amazing because i didn't think i'd ever get to see either of those songs live so that was good yeah i mean they've just got so many great songs over the years it just it doesn't feel like they ever need to do it no i don't think I so mean, and that you know with the albums that they um, seventh son maybe the seventh son they've played like yeah all but a couple of songs yeah, I'd yeah. rather they just put Infinite Dreams in the set than play mm. the whole album through. Um, and yeah, I've also got here, again, this isn't really an unpopular one, but In Flames doing any album from 96 to 2000 or Come Clarity from 2006 and full, I'd back that so hard. Um, Metallica doing loads. I think there's a surprising amount of people that would actually back that. I think that would be great. Um, you just would miss... love to hear Metallica start a set with Ain't My Bitch oh my god yeah you just miss all the primal bits of all the first two or three albums though. no I wouldn't I they can just stick know. that shit at the end that shit as if I don't think it's some of the greatest metal ever written you know what I mean um, or even more probably get even more excited Garage Inc and Fool just play it bang out those covers mm. I'd love it I'd love it see I think the album that I would like to hear most live which I don't think, I don't even know if they can do it is Mayhem's Ordo Ad Ko. Okay. Uh, Why couldn't they do it? It seems like it's a very much a studio album, uh, and it's so avant-garde. But it's just it just has this resonance that um, the minute you hear it, you just 
it just you totally resonate with it. It's so Stygian, nice. and um, like the minute look, within two three seconds, I knew that this was going to be my album of the year when it came out. And for me, it's the genuine successor to um, the Mysterious Dom Satanus in terms of atmosphere. And so obviously they've been playing Demisterius quite quite a lot live, and that's great. But just the the atmosphere of Order Red Chaos is so choking and immersive. Um, I would just do anything to see it live, and I don't know, I don't know if it can be recreated live at all. Yeah. Uh, just uh, Tiller's vocals on that is just something else entirely. Interesting. Should we do another question? Yeah. So we so. have um, uh, Michael Heeks. Matt. Matt, sorry. <laughs> Matt Heeks. Sorry. Uh, Matt Heeks asks, which metal musicians do you think have the best Instagram accounts and can any of them beat Rob Halford's Catterday posts? Have you seen Rob Halford's Instagram? I know you're not big on Insta. But I'm, I am just not on Instagram. I have, I have about three posts, very occasionally, like over, over from the last like five years. Uh, very occasionally it's I get... Qual- quality, not quantity. Yeah. <laughs> very occasionally I have someone, I find out someone's following me and I feel really guilty and ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's my, my Instagram page is just like, it's just barren wasteland with a few, um, <laughs> you know, brushes rolling across the plains. Well, I can tell you that... Um, Rob Halford's Instagram account is fucking amazing. It's hilarious. Like, one of the best things I've ever seen on the internet, for sure. Um, I think Paolo from Trivium might rival him because Paolo's just absolutely hilarious. Just the most ridiculous... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to describe it. Just follow Paolo from Trivium on, on Instagram. He's the best. Um, I like Randy Blythe stuff as well. Um, a lot more introspective and thoughtful. And, um, he's he, you know, he's pretty good photographer as well so he posts a lot of really interesting mm. images with big does captions Devin Townsend have one I, would l- I think he does but I don't know if I follow Debbie on my account I think I might have him on the Hammer account I imagine it's, it's like some different. kind of random thought generator <laughs> um, Chris Jericho is great on Instagram as well just really funny and um, regularly posts stories of him just going and getting mashed at gigs with his mates <laughs> just having a lovely time which is always good um, so yeah I'd say Paolo, Randy, and and Halford overall are like the holy trinity of metal. Instagram. I can't help at all in this case. That's fine. Um, maybe you can help with this. Tom Byrne asks, which is a shame there's only two of us actually, otherwise this could have been a hilarious bloodbath. Uh, Tom Byrne asks, which song would you each pick for your co-host to sing at a karaoke night? Not necessarily rock or metal songs either. I re- Why am I getting picked out all the time? I reckon Mel could do a cracking rendition of Raspberry Beret by Prince. <laughs> I don't know what that says I don't about know what me th- at all. I don't know what that says about him. Like, what thought process is <laughs> yeah. in his mind? You know, I turned out this, this... I don't think I've ever talked image about of Prince you before. And, and Prince, yeah. No, I've, even, I've never even mentioned being a Prince fan in my life, I don't think. I quite I mean, I like him, but... You, you have different... What you said about me, Tom? You have different physical statures, shall we say. Um, you just mean I'm lanky and he's not. He wasn't. Well, he's very short. He was, uh, was very short. Um, I would prick something that I think Jonathan wouldn't like and would struggle <laughs> with, but he'd have to put swagger into, so I'd probably put Limbiscuit or something like that. I could, do, I could probably do a good roll in. Yeah. Just get, <laughs> give, give me a few beers. I've known to throw down to roll in now and again. Or in the, the field. maybe their cover of Faith. Something really <laughs> aggressive and Larry. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if I could do Faith again. I, I just I just revert back to George Michael. <laughs> That'd be good. Doing George Michael's Faith over Wes Borland's riffs would yeah. be amazing. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's only one true original Faith. <laughs> That's George Michael's. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I would actually like to see you reprise. Remember your former role as a as as a black metaler when you put you in court spell and put you on the tube. <laughs> yeah. You could be here. Yeah. This is like in my first God, I think it was like my first month at Melhammer. Yeah, yeah. I got um It wasn't some up, kind of induction or anything. Oh, I don't know. You can that, I, it got turned into a meme, but I can't remember what the you have to look for to find the meme. If anyone on the Facebook page is interested, post and I'll find the photo and post it in the Facebook group. But um yeah, I got quotes painted up um, for an advert that we ran with Melhammer with a new app we were doing at the time. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I had to go down on the tube in full quartz paint, and people were looking and laughing at me, and I felt like a twat. <laughs> that's what they asked. They asked me to do it, and I, that's exactly why I didn't do it. That's what you make the new kid do, which exactly. is what I was. So, yeah. cheers. Yeah. What, what's that got to do with my karaoke song? Oh, because I'd make you probably sing like either "I Am Black Wizards." Fucking hell! Wizards. And like, I just like to see you <laughs> trying try, try, try to do a black metal vocal, Fuck me. or um, or or do the Abbath croak for oh, um, for like say Sons of Northern Darkness. I don't know if I could do that. My extreme metal vocals are not. That's exactly why I'd make you do it. It would just be the longest five minutes. Can I just do it? Or ten minutes. Tom G Warrior <clears throat> or something. Yeah, but that's kind of that's kind of easy. Oh, or man. like the thing is, also I'd with Tom G Warrior, exposed. Like if you're going to do a Cat of Frost song, you have to have that absolute authority that um, you know that only Tom. Well, very few people have. It's like there's certain bands you can't cover because you you just can't get that. That authority in the I voice. love the fact you're thinking of this like a cover song. Yeah, <laughs> like like, like, like I, if you judged on it, wow, well, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, it was, made it's, a it's, hash um, of it. it's like as much as I genuinely love um, My Dying Bride, they covered a swan song, like their signature song called Failure. And if you're not, if you're not um, Michael Jero, the singer for Swans, you will never do it right. Wow. And it's just like there, there are certain vocalists, like, like I would never make someone sing Tom Jiwari because. You just, you just, no one has that kind of authority. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest here. You're, you're really bigging up your karaoke skills because I don't think anyone's expecting a, a incredible redefining cover of the song. <laughs> it's karaoke, no, mate. No, I'm bigging up your karaoke skills because I'm going to make well, you. You won't sing, be doing it when you see me singing Black fucking Wizards. Emperor. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love the idea of watching you trying to do em- doing black metal vocals. Oh, okay, if you can do Limp Biscuit, I'll try and do Emperor. I don't, yeah. I wouldn't even know the, the lyrics. Well, that's well. They'll have them up for you in karaoke, won't they? Oh, that makes it all right then. That makes <laughs> yeah. it easy. Oh, I'll give it a go. Under the sea. It would that definitely have to be something. Maybe just under the sea from the Little Mermaid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a funeral. Topical. There's a lot. Of, there's a funeral doom band that um, that does like they're, all their songs are all about the sea and uh, deep in the sea. So I can make a do funeral doom, which is very L thing, I'm sure. I don't think this. I don't know if I would let you organise my karaoke night if it was my birthday, because <laughs> your song choices are very anti-party. You, you, know, you never know what people are going to do unless you put them in, in the situation. Fair enough. Right, let's go to the next question then, shall we? Right, Steve Callis asks, would you ever do a little video tour of the Metal Hammer office and or podcast room? I know obviously it's a working office and there may be things around that we wouldn't be able to see before they're published, etc. But I'm sure that, I'm sure I'm not alone in wondering what the place looks like where a lovely mag is produced. Uh, no. no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, the honest answer is that we recently um, moved back into uh, Future, who are owners and publisher. Um, we've moved back into their main building now, where the rest of the kind of Future family 
are. Um, so we've just kind of been set up into our own little special kind of subsection of the whole place, which is great because it's us in there and Prog and Classic World Magazine. And we're next to Total Film, who are all lovely. Um, but we haven't started putting up all our stuff yet. So I know that kind of dotted around the place, there's we've got some gold discs we've been donated and um, memorabilia and posters and uh, all sorts of cool shit. I think we've got signed guitars around somewhere. Absolutely none of which is up at the moment because we're still uh, we still haven't taken time to just start decorating. And so it'd be quite boring at the moment if you did get a tour of the office. But yeah, at some point we'd, we'll take some photos and yeah. and put it up for sure. Come Christmas, we'll have the most metal Christmas tree ever. Yes, again. the black metal Christmas tree is the best. Um, in terms of a podcast room, it's funny you say that because you may notice that the podcast has a bit of a better audio quality the last couple of weeks, and that's because um, we've discovered a cool sound lab that we didn't know existed at Future until we moved back in here. Um, and uh, that's not really very metal hammery looking because it's a room that we share with a ton of other places, but it sounds nice at least. So it has, it has, I'm, look, I'm staring at a huge amplifier and a, and a vinyl record player. That's pretty metal to me. That is super metal, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Rob Lake says, uh, we come back down to the Bieber thing, as I mentioned we would. Um, with, <laughs> with the little Canadian shit saying how he likes Tool, I presume he's talking about Bieber. Uh, his words, not ours. Who else would you not really want to be in our great big metal family? And which other genre stars would you like to see collab with a metal act? Who's not allowed in and who is allowed in? I'm happy for everyone to come in and listen to metal, to be honest. Yeah, I can't think of anyone that's like, no, you're not allowed. Um, uh, there's, you know, I don't, really ca- I don't really care about people outside of my world, really. I, you know, there's people I hate within our world. Of course. You know, but... Um, but um, you get pricks everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe, you know... If the Kardashians um, started wearing tall T-shirts, I'd be a bit... Mm. Well, one of or, them wore a Slayer T-shirt, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's already happened, mate. Yeah, okay. And, you know, or if, um, <laughs> or, you know, or if Trump started um, deciding, you know, he liked Jane's addiction or something, I'd be very unhappy. But... Yeah, I wouldn't. That would be a bit uh, embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. I really doubt he does. No, I very I much really doubt, doubt he does. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of bands that, you know, obviously said stop using our music. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, uh, there was a whole thing of Rage Against the Machine with um, uh, who's the governor? Well, they had to go at Farage as well, didn't they? Because they had to go at Farage, but, they, but there was also uh, I think it was he was a, he was a governor, not Virginia, but he was the one who shut down the bridge. The, the um and in in the US, but a, a big fat governor who was um who was a bit of a Trump lackey for a little while. I don't know. Which I forgot his name, but there was uh. He, oh yeah, no. He was the, he was a Bruce Springsteen fan, and they said like, "You can fuck off out of our gigs." <laughs> Brutal. Not here to play. Yeah, Springsteen. Yeah. But uh, there's lots of there's lots of people I would like love to hear collaborate with. Um, Go on then. Well, so I would. I mean, one of the greatest collaborations ever was Scott Walker with Sun. Uh, the late great Scott Walker. That yeah. was great. You know, I could imagine, you know, people like amazing vocalists, non-metal vocalists being used for kind of texture or refrains. Anthony from Anthony the Johnsons. I would love to see um, that being used somewhere at the end of a Cult of Luna song as a kind of refrain. Just as that beautiful ghostly voice just um, somewhere in the distance. Wow. That'd be interesting. Anything yeah. else? I um, know you were thinking about this. Yeah. I'm trying try to think of else. I mean, obviously, I would love to have seen, um, love to have heard the late Leonard Cohen. Uh, that'd be cool just doing some doing some spoken word through something I had some ideas and uh, um, I've forgotten what they are now 
But <laughs> and, Ant- Anthony from Anthony the Giants. You've already, you've already uh, I think, answered this more credibly than I probably would because I, I just instantly went to, right, what really cool, badass hip-hop acts are there that I'd like to see collaborate? And I thought, uh, I think Run The Jewels is, is begging for Run The Jewels to be um, embraced by heavy bands in more of a big way. Surely it's time for them to do download. Surely. I've seen the support Queens of the Stone Age. I've seen the support Bring Me the Horizon on a bill that had like architects and Wise Sleeps on it as well. Like, surely it's time for Run, run the Jewels at download. I really want it to happen. And I think the reaction to Deanford shows that, um, well, I mean, Deanford are way more outside the box than Run the Jewels are, in my opinion. So I, I really think that it could work and be good. So yeah. Run the Jewels, collaborating with a metal band would be great. Denzel Curry did that Rage Against the Machine cover. That'd be really cool for him to do something with a, a heavier artist. I'm trying to think of something a bit more pop. I mean, you kind of think Lady Gaga has flirted around metal for a while. I don't quite know what would suit her, though, in terms of collaborating with well, an she, actual metal band. She's got quite a bluesy voice. There's there's bands on the kind of the metal, bluesy, stonery doom. Mm. Uh, like, imagine Lady Gaga and Joachim from um, Grave, Graveyard singing together. That'd doing be a awesome. duet. But when you said Joachim, I thought you were going to say from Sabaton. From no. Sabaton. I was like, ooh, that'd be weird. <laughs> no, that would be, that'd be far too weird. But... But these two people with amazing, with great bluesy voices doing a duet together would be incredible. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, I would listen to your choices. Uh, should we take one more question yep. and then we're going to get out of here because so we're going to get kicked out. Marco, just Marco, says, is there any editorial boundary between Metal Hammer and your sister publications, Classic Rock and Prog? I, for one, wouldn't mind some repetition if the point of view was different, such as New Album Celebrations. New Wave of British Heavy Metal Celebration. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there I guess, the, um, you know, prog is a slightly different thing. We hate them because they keep nicking our bands. Uh, we don't really. They've just published their 100th issue, actually. So massive shout out to Jerry and the crew for that because that's an amazing achievement, what they've done with that magazine. Um, yeah, so you, you obviously you get progressive metal bands. So, you know, we'll cover Tesseract. They'll cover Tesseract. We'll cover Dream Theatre. Prog will cover Dream Theatre. They probably have wrestled Opeth a bit more from our world than others now. Yeah, it's um, kind of gli- they've kind of glided serenely over. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they have. That's a very well, good way of putting it. And um, with classic rock, I guess it's like, it's an interesting one because uh, obviously metal bands and metal as genre continues to get older and, you know, bands like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and Metallica obviously do belong in classic rock very much so, even though they'll always be seen as, you know, metal bands first and foremost. I guess it also kind of goes into what you count as classic rock. Well, classic rock, they cover Slipknot. Yeah, they do now. They do. Um, You know, I often say to Sean, um, you know, does this sound classic rock? Does this sound classic rock? I mean, when you know, you kind of know what classic rock means. It means a genre. You think of Def Leppard or you think of White Snake or you think of, you know, anything from a certain era. Um, Or we're just, oh, it's Polly from Classic Rock. Hi, we were just talking about you. Okay, we're going to get out and then. No worries. What a coincidence. Call them and they will come. Um, where's the on air sign when we need it <laughs> yeah exactly um, but yeah I did, we, we did you know hybrid theory test 20 next year yeah Linkin Park classic rock band now so I, I used to write but I used to write about stuff for classic rock that I would never get to write for about how much I loved but it's all like the kind of gothic and post punk stuff that I grew up yeah, with yeah, yeah, I never totally. thought about it critically but you know especially that kind of stuff like the gothic and the post punk that's kind of moved into the metal world far more than it's ever moved into the classic rock world so there's so many bands covering, you know, co- you know, especially on the extreme end, into Susan the Banshees and Pill and stuff like that, and Bauhaus um, as a reference point, that um, are more metal these days than they are classic rock. 
so yeah, very fair points. It's well a, made. It's a complex, complex web we, we inhabit. It is, and we are proud to inhabit it. And that is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, Alice will be on talking about her adventures in Norway. And don't forget, uh, as mentioned at the top of the podcast, one of our biggest issues of the year, one of our biggest issues ever is on sale now. Nine exclusive Slipknot covers to collect. Um, exclusive art print. Tribute CD featuring the most exciting young metal bands around. Uh, it's a hell of an issue. And we hope you pick it up. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, we'll be back very soon. See you later, selves. So I'll, I'll see you again. All right. All right.